This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Trondini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Welcome to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. This is Peter here. Since the guys, Carl and Justin, started off Do Not Scratch Your Eyes, they've had a number of interviews with a number of players. And a continual theme has been finding out a little bit more about a man who is now immortalised in a statue outside the ground, Mr Graham Taylor. Fair to say that he's nothing less than the, the father of the modern club. What came out across a lot of these interviews was just little sound bites, little bits of understanding about what made Graham Taylor special. We're just going to take a look at a compilation of some of those, just to remember some of the players across the era. So first of all, we're going to start by listening to the man that Graham Taylor himself described as the best pound-for-pound signing he ever made, Ian Bolton. He was signed at the start of the first Graham Taylor era. Watford were in the fourth division. Graham was new to the club and Elton John was still relatively new to club chairmanship. And he bought in Ian Bolton. When signing a player, first impressions last. Ian describes how impressed he was with GT. Right, I was playing at Notts County. I wasn't in the first team. Graham Taylor saw me and took me on loan at Lincoln, uh, where I played centre-half. He wanted to sign me at the end of the trial uh, or the loan, but couldn't. Um, so I had to go back to Notch County. Then in the summer, on the day started pre-season training, I got a, the manager pulled me aside and said, oh, look, Graham Taylor's down the ground. He's a uh, Watford manager and he'd like to speak with you. Would you be interested? So I said, yeah, of course. I went to the ground and there he was in his Karamaki coloured leather leather jacket <laughs> in, his, in his flares. Um, we sat and talked. We agreed the monies and the contract and... Therefore, I sort of drove down to Watford. It was one of them, and I know it sounds a bit hindsighty, but you know when you meet someone who you think, if I can just hang on to their shirt tails, this guy's going somewhere and I can hopefully go with him. The absolute gospel. GT made many great signings, and certainly up there with all of them was Tony Coton. Signed from Birmingham City and under a cloud and under a court case, 
GT went and represented Tony in court and it made a huge impression on Tony. But other things did as well, such as the community work that went on at the club. It came down to little moments of detail as well, such as where they would park their cars. It was everyone together, obviously team spirit on the park, team spirit off the park, but with the community at the forefront of that off the park. So I remember my first contract, we had so many hours written into your contract that you had to give up for community service. Oh, to, to go out and do things in the, to in the community. Do, to go out and join him with the community. He was very big on that. I know Luther's keen to carry on that philosophy, uh, that legacy of what Graham built and what needs to be carried on. There was nothing better, really, whichever way you, you look at it, I've been on both sides of the coin that when we come to a home game at, uh, at Vicarage Road, we used to have to park our cars in the car park at the bottom of the allotments. And walk up. Walk up the hill. So you'd, you'd pass supporters. Good luck yeah. today, Tony. Blah, blah, blah. Did it, uh, Let's have a better result than last week or whatever, you know. And you'd have a bit of banter, blah, blah, blah. We'll be there next week at Everton or wherever it was. And you have that banter. And then after the game, you've got to do... It's either... I had the same at Man City. They had their car park right behind one goal as well. And you had to walk. So you you walk you walk through the... What I would probably say the, the walk of adulation or the gauntlet of eight. Mm. However you'd played. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. It, it, it was that, but you still had that association with the with the fans and the supporters. And you've seen the same ones, you know, that come what may, whatever the result, come what may, how how you played, would still pat you on the back and still wish you wish you all the best because they were proper true supporters. Tony Coton there on the importance that he as a player and the other players placed on the community and being part of the community. So GT did well on the pitch. He signed good players. He had an importance in the community. But another aspect that he was absolutely connected with was the importance of bringing the youth through, growing our own. No greater example of that than Sir Nigel Gibbs. I was in awe of the guy. So I met him when I was 11 years of age. Uh, never met a manager before um, in, the, in the tunnel at, at Vicarage Road on an evening game when my dad was introduced to him and that. So, you know, I just... I was in awe of him, really, to be perfectly honest. I think he was a genius. I think he was ahead of his time. I think his motivational skills, his tacticals, he was ahead of the game on the on the analysis. And I, I don't think there's any one specific sort of occasion where I can sort of speak about him, but he was always there. I'd only just turned 18, signed professional, and then 18 and three days, and I made my debut in, in the UEFA Cup against Sparta Prague. What a baptism of fire. Uh, so yeah, you don't you... forget ever your debut, but particularly in Europe, you know, that's uh, quite special on, on its own. Can you can you just take us sort of through that sort of briefly in the sense of, you know, you've signed your professional contract, you, you, you're into the training, you, you're doing whatever you're doing, and then the, the, the gaffer says, right, Nigel, you're, you're making your debut. How was that for you? That must have been incredible. Yes, it was. I mean, it was quite a strange time. I, I, at that, in that period, um, there was a lot of new players, but they weren't registered in time to play for the UEFA Cup. So a lot of young players got their opportunity. Pricey, Jimmy Gilligan, Ian Richardson, myself, and uh, Warrell Sterling, who, who was a little bit older than me, but uh, so they'd all have made their debuts and then there was a lot of injuries. Uh, at the time, the boss had just signed David Barsley 
Ian Lee Sinnott, who he'd worked with with the England youth team. I was I wasn't sure of my future really, to be perfectly honest. I I done well as an apprentice, but nothing fantastic, and was in the reserves, um, but not anywhere near the first team. And then um, he signed those two players, and I'm thinking, well, there's Charlie Palmer, there's Pat Rice, there's David Barsley. I'm thinking, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to get a sniff? Yeah, thought, you know, and, <laughs> but get offered an apprentice, uh, sorry, a professional contract. I'm I'm going to take it. So I signed, and then I got into the team. Um, there's the story it's you know it was interesting we always used to train on the day of the game I, I don't know if you spoke to other players at the, in, in around that era but we used to train in the morning of the games which doesn't happen these days and also on a Saturday morning before the game so sort of trained on the on the Monday with the first team squad because of numbers and then Tuesday morning we trained and then at the end of the session um, the boss said oh what are you doing later Gibbsy and I said well I'm coming to the game boss he said oh do, do you fancy playing and it was it, it, it was I said yeah I'll, I'll play you know it was, it was that kind of conversation and I can't remember the exact words and so I went home at Mares came back to the ground and 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 I was in the team now it was, it was his way of sort of relaxing me and not putting too much pressure on me I suppose if he'd have told me earlier I'd have maybe not slept or whatever and um, but you know that that's that's how it happened really Graham Taylor knew it wasn't just about him it was about the quality of the people that he enabled around him here Paul Robinson Robbo recalls exactly how it felt being a young player with all of this guidance around him. But Graham Taylor was a, he was a he was a fantastic mentor for me. I had people like Lou for Blissett around me, Tom Wally, Kenny Jackett was my academy manager, Jimmy Gilligan, who's now back at Watford, John McDermott, who's now working with England. So I, I around me, obviously you got Nigel Gibbs, the senior professional there's as well, and obviously Dennis at the time who I, who I grew up with as a young kid coming through the academy as well. It was for me it was a perfect upbringing. It was that that instilling what what my home club was all about, that dream to to one day wear the shirt if it was possible. But also you, you never guaranteed the right pathway and Graham Taylor believed in us young lads when, when we were growing up his first thought was I want to get the youth through that was his no matter what players he had senior pros or or players that he brought in he knew that he wanted to he wanted to combine that so the youth coming through was was very important to him he wanted to see the kids develop he wanted to see him prove a point in the first team environment um, he also was sensible with money he also wanted to bring players in who uh, they wanted to play for Watford Football Club they didn't want to come for the money they didn't want to come just because it was their end of their careers or they had nothing else to prove. Graham was always diligent in in the players that he recruited and that was they were fully committed to Watford Football Club and that wasn't just on the pitch that was off it as well and that was in the community meeting the fans doing doing club functions and things like that so so yeah everything for me growing up was just put me on that on that pathway of this is how I wanted to be and this is how grounded I wanted to stay throughout my life. Here Richard Jono Johnson talks about the various chances he got under various managers but also what was required by Graham Taylor. I, I probably wouldn't have had the career I had at Watford if it wasn't for Graham. So mm. I, I owe him I owe him quite a lot, to be fair. Obviously, with Steve Perry making my debut, Glenn Roder, even with Kenny Jackett, really, I, I wasn't like a, a set regular, if you like. Yeah, and, yeah. And Graham sort of took over the reins from Kenny in, in that season. He I don't know, he just must have seen something in me or showed a little bit of faith in me, but... That that was obviously the best best period of my career, so I, I owe that to to Graham. But I, I think with 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 the gaffer, it was he he was fair with everyone. To be fair, but you had to show that you yeah. wanted to play. As long as you gave a hundred percent commitment, determination, did everything you could, he he'd stomach you having a, an off day. But as long as the effort and the the attitude and 
like I said, the commitment was there. He 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 backed you all day long. That's what sort of player I was anyway. I, I wasn't that skillful, but I was a grafter. I worked hard, and I sort of I think he sort of bought into that. But it gave me confidence. It's no surprise that GT wanted a commitment, but what he also wanted was focus from his players. And in this story from Gifton Noel Williams, we find out the human side GT would bring in order to make sure his players were able to focus on the football. I had my first kid when I was 16. I was a bit of a fast boy, as I said before. So um, <laughs> I, uh, when I left school, um, I was, my, my, my first wife was already pregnant uh, with my wow. first child. So I've obviously left school in, in, in June started pre-season in July. So rumours, everyone's finding out now that I've got a kid coming. People are mm. finding out more rumours are going around. So I get a call, I get told that the gaffer wants to see me, Graham Taylor wants to see me. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> God. Because there was a kid about about two weeks, about a year before, got released from Leighton Orient because he had a kid. Yeah, so, so you heard about that and were like, oh, the gaffer, I'm done. Everyone's like, give you're finished. And I'm like, I'm finished, oh, that's done. Well, I never realised that Watford rated me highly. I didn't realise that. In my yeah, yeah. Opinion, I'm finished, right? Yeah. So I walk, I drag myself over to Graham Taylor's office. When I mean drag myself over, I drag myself. <laughs> it took me about an hour to get over there where it's only a five-minute walk. Um, so I've got over there. In the gaffer's room, he'll have a big chair and a small chair. And the small chair was always a bit low. So you always, like, he's always higher than me. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he sat me down there. So I think I'm in, I'm in, I'm in trouble. He's going to tell me that he's getting rid of me and shout at me or whatever. So he said to me, "Gif, I've heard that you got a baby on the way." Yeah, yeah, Gaffey, that's the truth. I got pregnant. And so what? Are you with her? I said, "Yeah, we're together." My mum knows. Blah blah blah. I go through the whole story and that kind of stuff. Are you surviving? Are you, what are you doing? Like, are you got stuff for the baby? I said, "I'll get by, Gaffer. And he goes, "I don't like your get by, son. I don't like your get by because because he, he knew. They knew my history and being in North London and a bit of a bit of a bad boy. He knew me getting by and maybe meant that I was doing something I shouldn't be doing. That you shouldn't be doing. Right. So <clears throat> he said, I don't want you getting by. He goes, how much do you need? What do you need? So I told him all the stuff that I need. You know, pram, this, that, blah, 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 blah. He goes, how much did it cost? I, I think he came up to something like, I don't know, a grand or something like that. He went, he went I don't want you to worry about anything apart from football. And he took out his own personal checkbook out of his pocket. And it was his, per- it wasn't Watford's checkbook, it was his personal, Graham Taylor's checkbook. And he wrote me a check for two grand. And he said, anytime you need anything, you come to me. He goes, all I want you to do is focus on football. You've got a big future ahead of you, son. Just focus on football. I went in the office thinking I was going to get released. And I walked out of the office on cloud nine. I'm sure. Days. I'm sure. Like, you know, that, that, that just shows the, the, the measure of the man. He was yep. a, Yeah, yeah. He was a great man. He, he wasn't just talk. He was a great man by action. He was a great man by mentoring the way you treat people so gt wanted you focused and he wanted you committed but what happened if you crossed him well the first time we heard about this story was from micah hyde me and charlie miller took a team photo pre-season and uh, graham was disgusted with me and charlie miller because we took a team photo and i put my hand on his knee and he put his hand on my knee so it looked sick he had a white, like I had a white hand, and he had a black hand. And we didn't think nothing of it, just banter, just, just normal banter. And then we went away, <clears throat> so pre season, we went away to play Birmingham at Warsaw, went to Warsaw. Normally, what happens is <clears throat> we get on a bus normally, the players and Kenny and the, the management staff and Graham will come on last, generally. Mm. So when they get on a bus, the bus is leaving, basically. So yeah. That, that's how it normally works. I'm not going to sit on a bus and wait for people to come on. 
So we're sitting on the bus, me and uh, Charlie Miller. I've gotten all about this photo shoot a couple of days before. I ain't thought nothing of it. Got on the bus, Kenny Jackett's come on the bus and said, the gaffer wants to see you in the changing room. So as we got off the, got the bus, he goes, no, no, I'll get off the back. Because we sat at the back and we tried to say, so get off the back. So we got off the back. As we got off the bus, got into the changing room, the, the bus was gone and left us. We had nothing on us. It was our tracksuits on us. Just our tracksuits. We had no money, nothing. Just left us in Birmingham. Went back to Victory Drive. Left us in Birmingham, me and Charlie Miller. That was a, a lesson learned. So that's his way I took it lesson learned. It must have cost what for the few bob, you know, doing the photos. And me and him, he's going to have done that. And he's about to redo it all. So he was he was, he was, was fuming. So that, that was a moment. Was that a phone call to someone saying, listen, could you come and pick us up in Birmingham, yeah, please? Definitely. We said that the other half to come and send a cat. <laughs> taxi for the other end or whatever. Sweet, I'll pay for it now. And then so that we could, So that's what we had to do in the end. But yeah, that, that was a special, a funny moment. <laughs> there was one thing Graham Taylor was really good at. It was unearthing lower league gems. Peter Kennedy, for example, who ended up scoring two goals in a famous 4-0 win at Kenilworth Road, was really impressed with Graham when he came to potentially sign for Watford. I went down to Watford and, you know, I met, obviously met Graham Taylor. And to be quite honest with you, I mean, it was easy. You know, there was no, in a day I wasn't down there at and whatever he said and offered me, I was accepting it. You know what yeah. I mean? It didn't matter. You know, to me, it wasn't about money or whatever. It's just to me, it was just another opportunity. And straight away, you could see that he was a genuine person, hmm. everything else. Hmm. And that's, that's basically it. Now, there is, a, there is a bit of a story that I heard that uh, I think Graham had sort of inquired about me. I think he, met, he, he obviously asked Kenny. Kenny was a manager the year before and it was actually one of the games I played against Watford at Meadow Lane. And I think Watford beat us 3 2, but quite a decent game that night for Notts County mm. so I think Kenny obviously created a good word in but the other story was that sort of being the missing Northern Ireland B team and Jerry Armstrong was mm. the manager mm. and I think Graham maybe had asked Jerry about me and Jerry had put a good word in for me too so in a day Graham I, I think it was 150 grand don't quote me not like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. but he had basically signed me on the whim of maybe a couple of you know people saying this and saying that yeah. and them days there was no you know, analysis, you know, where it is nowadays, you can sort of hit a button and tell yeah. you everything about Peter Kennedy is how far yeah. he runs. You, and you, you can't log on to Championship Manager and find yeah, out about Peter Kennedy. things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, for Graham to take that chance too, it was probably, I mean, he gave me a four-year contract too, you know what I mean? So that was a bit of a security. Yeah. Um. So obviously, I agreed there. And that's basically, and then the next, how you I think, yeah, I think, I, think I, I think I went back up to Notts County that day and then I can straight back down and that was me and I, I never left Watford. <laughs> Nicky Wright will always be known for his heroics at Wembley. Seems reasonable enough. But Nicky also remembered a time when he travelled to Vicarage Road as part of the Carlisle team. I say, the game didn't go away. Two goals, but or we thought we'd outplayed Watford. And I think Graham Taylor agreed, because as we left the pitch and went into the tunnel, outside the away dressing room, Graham Taylor was waiting for the Carlisle players and greeted us all individually and said, look, you guys didn't deserve to lose that and that type of thing. And again, that stuck with me massive. That's something that an away manager would never do. Wow. And you remembered that what Graham Taylor did made a big impression. A big impression was also made when he finally came to leave Carlisle. And the interview process he had at one club seemed very different to the interest that Graham Taylor took during his interview. I got the clause in my contract that if anybody at the end of the season was interested 
I'd got a fee of 100 grand that was already written into a contract. So when it came to the summer, Watford were one of the teams I spoke to. I spoke to a number of others, spoke to Crew, I spoke to Chesterfield, which would have been a local team and really easy because yeah. they could yeah. have stayed. However, the, the experience was totally different. I went to Chesterfield and I wasn't asking for a lot of money, by the way. And their chairman turned up in like a massive, I don't know if it was a roller or something like that. And, <laughs> and then was sort of saying, oh, we we don't we don't pay a young boy of 21 sort of that sort of money and i, I wasn't asking for a lot of money right and I, yeah yeah and and i was like i just said to him so, so what if wayne rooney came in because he's going to be younger than that you wouldn't pay him that and he was like just didn't really know what to say right but it, it was a weird it was a weird interview experience then when i went down to speak to um graham totally different he wanted to know about me as an individual what i was looking to get out of the game what i was hoping to achieve that type of thing and i asked a number of questions at the end and one of them was i'm signing obviously as a young player you've just got promoted if i show that i'm good enough will i be in your team and he just said yeah right and it was an important question because i needed it right yeah. your experiences what you know you wanted to play football and that was that was high on the yeah. agenda yeah. Very much so. And I was confident in my ability, but still, when you're a young player and you're trying to force into an established team mm. yeah. who've just won promotion, yeah. it's not quite straightforward. I don't think um, initially it was he was signing a player to go straight into his first team. Mm. Although in my head, that's exactly what I was wanting to do. What you want to do. Of course, Nick Wright's goal-scoring partner also came from Carlisle and remembered that game. And here he goes on to detail all of the things that Graham Taylor did to ease his troubled mind about the likelihood of a transfer actually going through when Alan Smart was really concerned about the injury he was carrying. We played really well on Tuesday night, I think, at Vicarage Road. And, and that was going forward. The Kaleo team was decent. It just happened to leak too many goals all the time. So Graham Taylor came into the dressing room, shook all her hands after the game and just said, listen, and I remember the post-match, he just said, we've been absolutely battered there tonight. My name cropped up with, with the chairman. Graham had spoke to the chairman and he just said about me, I got a phone call from Michael Knight and listen, do you want to go down on trial? I said 100%. The gaffer, I think we went, the, the room that I walked into in the Jarvis, it was the Jarvis yeah it was the Jarvis uh, just up through the Hilton that's it yeah there's it like, it like a, a suite in there I don't know it's like a corridor and I went into the room and at the time I thought it's like it's the best room I've ever been in I think <laughs> I was looking at him thinking, it's not, I don't know, this. he's making an impression here, in my mind. So I made sure I was suited and booted, and I knew he'd be quite traditional, so I put the old uh, put the old blazer on and the navy, the, the navy blazer and the grey, you know, the grey strides. Right. I just kind of went in like... No tartan, no? Did you go for the tartan? Did, did put a kilt on, no? No kilts, no. I had a tartan tie on, funny enough. <laughs> and uh know exactly what I wore, and there was a reason why I was wearing it for him. He sat me down and he said, I don't want you to come on trial, he said, I want to sign you. Do you want a, uh, a three-year or four-year deal? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> yes, and, please. <laughs> and, he, and he'd requested that my my now ex-wife, who was my fiance at the time, travel with me and come into the come into the club. He requested that she travel because she she knew he knew we were getting married that summer. He was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> he was absolutely fantastic. Well, honestly, he was brilliant. Were with Jeanette right. he really was and he just said look it's a big move for the two of you he actually spoke to Jeanette about everything you'd be settled here a really really attentive towards her and I went off to do my medical my ankle had been a bit stiff and the physio come back and he said look Gaffer I wouldn't be doing my job if I said to you to sign on he said but the, the ankle's just a bit stiff should just get a scan on it um, and just make sure it's right 
Mm. So I broke mm. my ankle when I was younger, and I'd also broke my ankle at Carlisle. I cracked my ankle in the Ottawa schemes final, so I'd been playing on it for about six weeks with a crack in it. Oh, God. That was a real problem for me. So I was thinking, shit, Christ, we've talked about the money. Yeah. Changing money. Basically, give me a lottery ticket, and I'm thinking, you know, so I couldn't sleep. I was just nervous. I was like, oh, my God, my ankle's going to let me down. And the pressure was just relentless. So he, uh, he slid a note under the door at the hotel via the reception. So I come back from food, shut the door, a little note there. Listen, I'm looking forward to the next four years. They're going to be exciting. Don't worry about the scan. Be perfectly fine, blah, blah, blah. And so, phones me at 8 o'clock in the morning. You didn't sleep, did you? I said, no. No, you went, look, put your mind at ease. I'm signing. Okay. He went to the World Cup, 98. In France, he said, Look, I've got to go. Bob McKenney's at the Isle of Man TT, so it's two weeks till I get my scan. I'm thinking, Oh, it's right now. <laughs> so he phones me from the World Cup. Graham Taylor here, Alan. Uh, just thought I'd give you a call. And, you know, I'm on the commentary at this game, that game. He goes off in a tangent, overplays the voice message, phones me back, <laughs> leaves another voice Carries message. on. <laughs> And this is on the BT landlines, you know, that when you had the you had the little code to listen to your messages. One five seven one. I'm saying I'm saying to my mates and my dad, phone my phone, key this number in. That's an England manager wanting to sign your son, Dad. He couldn't have made me feel like any more wanted if you'd have tried. So. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.